Hey, real quick, a quick word of thanks to today's sponsor, Vertex Innovations, before we get started. For over 17 years, Vertex has been building the nation's wireless and broadband networks. Providing project management, network engineering, and construction oversight are just some of the ways Vertex helps their clients. So if you're looking for more of a partner to help you with your wireless network designs, construction, implementation, or operations, reach out to Vertex. You can find them at vertex-us.com. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-U-S.com. Welcome to the 5G Guys Podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host, Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith. Welcome back to another episode of the 5G Guys. I'm Wayne Smith, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dan McVaugh. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. Great to have you back. Today, Wayne and I are going to talk about the shutdown of 3G. So we all are excited about 5G and what's going on there. And we've talked a little bit on past episodes about how as we progress through new technologies, old technologies need to be shut down. Spectrum needs to be quote unquote harvested so that room can be made for these new technologies. And so this this year and going into 2023 and throughout 2023, we're going to see a lot of 3G and even 2G networks being shut down by carriers. And so we'll talk a little bit today about what that means and what the impact of that might be and so that people can understand that. So what do you think, Wayne? Nah, great, great subject. Uh, if you have a Verizon or AT&T account, you've probably been getting emails lately stating they're going to shut the network down and the impacts to you. So it's it's an interesting for you and I subject because we built the original 3G networks. Right. Right. So now we've lasted long enough to see them come to, you know, change the world and now go bye-bye. Right. So, yeah, let's jump in. Cool. Well, let's start like we do a lot of times with a little bit of history. So in in the history of of the different Gs throughout the 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 uh, the industry. I remember back when I started in the industry during we didn't call it one G, but the analog cellular days as as two G networks were being built. The big issue we had was that our subscribers had phones that were only one G capable. They were only analog, and so back then when you bought a phone, it was a ton of money, and that phone would last forever. Uh, unlike today, right? Most people get a new phone, and if they're lucky, they get two years out of it. Many people only get a year out of it, and then they need a new phone because they break it or battery's not charging anymore or whatever. But back then, you bought a phone. That phone would last five years, no problem. The problem we had was all these people had phones that were not capable of working on the new technology we were deploying. So our focus was we have to get people a reason, give them incentive to get rid of their old phone they paid good money for and get a new phone. Today, it's changed a little bit. It's more a matter of limited resources, limited lanes on the road, if we will, of spectrum. And the demand for the 4G and the 5G is so high that the carriers don't have enough lanes on the road to support 2G and 3G as well. And so they need to get rid of the 2G and 3G to allow them to have more usage on the 4G and 5G. So it's a little bit different perspective, but that's kind of where we're at today and and to your point, Wayne, yeah, the, all the carriers, T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T, they're all in this mode of shutting down these old technologies 
so that they can utilize their resources, their lanes in the road for 5G? Yeah, I mean, uh, one adder I would say is that we don't want to, I know there's a lot of hype around 5G, but currently most of the U.S. is still running 4G networks, which were super robust, super, I mean, built out. And it took, what, 15 years to get that done, the 4G side. Uh, and so we can all rest assured that the fundamental and the major carriers have a really outstanding and quality 4G network. Yeah. Yeah. Without getting on too too much of a tangent, I think we're in a mode now where we're going to see 4G and 5G work together in tandem as opposed to it being one or the other. It's going to be both for a pretty long duration. And actually the same was too with 2G and 3G. Um, A lot of people don't realize that, you know, 2G and 3G worked hand in hand where 3G was where the phone would go for data services. 2G was where the phone would go for voice services. So you're making a phone call, your phone would go to 2G. If you're surfing the internet, it would go to 3G. And so you're going to have similar sort of thing with 4G and 5G. So, so that's a, that's a good point. But let's let's get back to the the 3G touchdown, or touchdown, <laughs> the, the 3G shutdown topic. So to your point, Verizon's been notifying their customers that uh, they intend to shut down their 3G network. Uh, I think January one of twenty three. Is that uh, is that what you're understanding as well? For Verizon, yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, December thirty first. Yeah. Same same. Yep. Yeah, twenty twenty two. Yeah, that's when they're shutting down for sure. AT and T was in February, I think. So AT and T started shutting down in February, and yep, and, and then T Mobile is they they've kind of been doing it in a phase as they purchased the Sprint network. They started shutting down some of the 3G stuff that was Sprint, and then they're going to continue shut down throughout 2023 and more of a phased approach as, a per, as opposed to just uh, shut it all down at one time, like uh, AT&T and Verizon. But yeah, by the end of 23, uh, middle of 23, really, all three major carriers, Sprint, AT&T, Verizon, or excuse me, uh, T-Mobile, AT&T, Verizon, will, will no longer have 3G service um, now. That doesn't mean that you won't still see 2G, 3G on your phone. And here's the reason why. All of these three carriers, as we've talked about in other episodes, they rely on roaming partners, whether it's international or even domestic, when they get into more rural parts of the country. A lot of these regional, smaller mom and pop regional carriers, they still only have, in some cases, 3G networks. They have cell sites that haven't even been upgraded to 4G yet. So you might be in rural Montana, and you're going to see if your phone is still capable of going to 2G or 3G, you're going to see it roam to a 2G or 3G network still, even if you're a a subscriber of one of the big three carriers. And I think you even spoke to that, Wayne, that you were seeing that just recently on your hunting trip, right? Yeah, like I was out in rural Colorado, and I, the only way I hadn't, you know, I, I took a, the unbeaten path on the way home. And literally had no coverage, finally got to a 3G node where I could send a text message and that was it. And so that was within I you know, two or three hour drive within rural Colorado. You still still don't have coverage out in those areas. And I, I don't think that um, until you see that show up on your phone, you really realize, oh, wow, you know. We're really fortunate to live in the metropolitans we do with the coverage that we have. And you know what's interesting? I, I reached out to some of the engineers that I know that uh, will remain nameless because I don't want to get them in trouble, but that work for the one of the three big carriers. And what's interesting is, in some cases, their focus and their strategy is going to be 
to leverage 2G in some of these rural areas and not even use 3G. So they're just basically going to say, hey, in some of these areas, all you're going to be able to do is make a phone call or a text message, and we'll push the phone if it's capable to 2G to make sure you can you know, have those life cycle, life safety kind of make a phone call, get a text message out. But you may not be able to you know, stream Netflix in some of those more rural areas unless and until that partner has a 4G service available to you at that time. Yeah, to that point, it must be Timo. I did read this morning that T-Mobile did shut down their 3G network, but have no plans to shut down their 2G network at this point. So that I was an added I know, I know. Yeah, so so I thought that was really interesting. So when when you look at what the shutdown means, let's talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. We all think about it from the standpoint of our phone, right? But the reality is, is almost all of us, because we get new phones so frequently, phones that are 4G capable have been around since 2011. So, you know, if you're on the, you know, been on the trend of getting the latest iPhone or the latest Samsung Galaxy or the the latest Google Pixel or whatever, and you've been getting a new phone, let's say even every three years, your phone is capable of 4G undoubtedly and the 3G shutdown is not going to impact you. Where it's going to impact us is IoT, Internet of Things. All of these devices that are out there that were built to work on 3G are no longer going to work when 3G gets shut down, right? So we're talking things like alarm systems. You have a, a little cellular chip in the burglar alarm on your house that's using cellular as a backup if the phone line goes down, for example, or sensors on sprinkler, sprinkler controllers at the park, even even devices in cars. Uh, for sure. I think uh, an important is this not overlook medical devices mm-hmm. because early medical AFib, different types of devices, you know, did carry on the old network. And the SOS devices, there's just so many applications that I think we ever, uh, you know, we just take for granted, like the emergency pool phone, you know, or the elevator phone. A lot of those used the original 3G technologies and they haven't been updated for years because they just don't have that much usage. So we're going to, we're gonna, we'll see some, you know, fallout f- from it, uh, but maybe not, maybe not personally because of where we live and the tech to your point the technology one thing that i did read is it might affect uh, more seniors in america Mm -hmm. Uh, you know we do have a pretty aging baby booming population that have like uh, i forget the name of the products but life services you know where they can hit a button and they can call emergency a lot of those old legacy systems people just don't upgrade their products like we we do as a younger generation of user, you know, they may be using their device for 10 years or so. So that's always, you know, if you have a loved one out there, you should check into the services that they have. I mean, you know, this is good advice. Call your mom, call your grandma, make sure that she's got, you know, whatever, if they were using any kind of technology in that way that it's been updated and it still works. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There was, um, there was some statistics that AT&T actually did put out and they said that, their shutdown earlier in the year in February impacted about 3% of their customers. And of that 3%, a 10th of that 3% was voice users. So 90% mm. of, of what was impacted of that 3% was IOT type stuff, right? It was sensitive yeah. devices, alarms, things of that nature. 
The other area that this is impacting that actually indirectly impacts your phone is what if, if, if anybody has a car that's been built like 2015 or later, especially if it's a, a little higher end car, like especially a lot of European luxury cars, your car had uh, had, had or has built-in Wi-Fi, right? Where your all the phones in the car can sync up to a Wi-Fi hotspot in your car and get internet service, right? Mm-hmm. Or semi-related is the, like the OnStar, right? Where you hit OnStar and to make an emergency call if there's an accident or whatever. Well, those modems in those cars are leveraging the terrestrial cellular network to get your connectivity. And those modems have been 3G for quite a while, actually. And there's actually some, there's been a a string of lawsuits against companies like Volkswagen, Ford, BMW, Porsche, because people bought a car, let's say in 2016 or 2017, that modem was a 3G modem, believe it or not. It wasn't a 4G modem, even though 4G had been around for five, six years. Because the life cycle of getting all of these technology changes through this whole engineering and manufacturing process into a car took so long that people bought these cars with antiquated modems. And they're like two years, three years into having bought this car, finding out that the modem doesn't work anymore. Their OnStar might not work when this 3G shutdown happens or that Wi-Fi won't happen. So I think that's an area that's probably caught a lot of people off guard who spent a premium for a nice luxury car that's had this supposed to have this connectivity. And now all of a sudden it's getting impacted. Yeah. And another note too, you know, when I, I, I was just speaking about some of the uh, services for the elderly or just low income, the FCC has the lifeline program out there. And so you should go research that. If you're listening to the podcast, you have a loved one, there might be resources out there to help you upgrade your technology. It's called Lifeline Support for Affordable Communications. And it is it's a program that you can go find resources if you need them. You can't afford a new phone or something. So I just wanted to throw that out there. The, the FCC does a lot of things for a lot of folks, you know, and the programs are available. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes uh, for any listeners that might have uh, a loved one or, or know, knows anybody that could take advantage of some of those life lifeline lifecycle um, cap- subsidies that the FCC provides. That's a that's a good that's a good one. I think the other thing to note is for those that happen to live in rural parts of the country, areas that their primary service is provided by more of a regional carrier, you may not be impacted by these shutdowns. Uh, so you really need to pay attention to whose network you actually really are on. And you might actually be subscribing to one of those smaller companies and not subscribing to Sprint or Verizon, or excuse me, T-Mobile or Verizon or AT&T. But it is important to note that if you have an older device, you live in one of those rural parts of the country that's not shutting down right away, that if you roam into a more urban area, you're going to be impacted where your phone may not work or absolutely, it's not may not work. It will not work when you roam into those big three carriers networks from your home network on one of the smaller carriers. So that's something you got to really look out for as well. So be prepared that you may have to get a new device if you've had your device for a long time uh, and you live in those areas. Yeah. Here's a, here's a question for you. You may dig this one. Um, So we're going to shut down the 3G network and it's built on a certain type of spectrum. What do you think, you know, is is the reason they're shutting it down to utilize that 3G spectrum? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that the primary reason? Yep. And 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 the carriers that have opted to leverage 2G versus 3G mm-hmm. as part of this transition, there's actually a good technical reason. And I'll go back to the analogy for those that are maybe new listeners and haven't heard old episodes. Wayne and I talked about the concept of think about the technology as roads and cars were the right. And I won't be repetitive, but the car is the technology. The road is the spectrum. You got to have lanes for the car to drive on for the technology to work on. Well, what they're doing is they're trying to free up those lanes that were dedicated to 3G so that they can use those lanes for 4G and 5G. Well, what 2G, because it's such a low end technology, the bandwidth it requires, it doesn't need a full size lane. So, they're able to use guard bands of the spectrum that the 4G and 5G can't use because it's too narrow. And they're able to push some 2G channels into that. So the analogy would be like putting the old Model A cars on the shoulder of the road that you normally couldn't drive on. That's what they're doing is they're leveraging some unutilized spectrum that can't be used anyways, pushing the 2G into that unutilized spectrum, those guard bands, and then that way they're still able to harvest the spectrum they need for 4G and 5G and then still be able to push traffic to 2G without having to shut it down. Oh, yeah, yeah that's awesome. You know, and so I did find some other notes that are notable to for some of the topics we said. If you had your phone and you bought it before 2014, chances are you could have you 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 there's a possible issue there. In automobiles, if it was purchased before 2019. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's also only three years ago. Right. Yeah. And and I don't believe that um, unless some of these lawsuits force them, I don't feel like most of the manufacturers are planning like a, a retrofit where you can take your car in and get it upgraded to be able to be 4G capable. I think you're kind of just stuck with what you've got in most cases from what I'm hearing. Oh, wow. Here's some, here's some device list. So medical... You know, alert devices, fall detectors, communicators, like I was saying, fire alarms, like you mentioned, inventory trackers mm. that were built, smart watches that were built on the old technology, e-readers, Kindles and Nooks and et cetera, before 2014, GPS trackers like for pets and such, mm. and then marine safety devices. Never thought about that, but a lot of the marine devices... uh are done, but yeah, interesting list, huh? It's kind of fascinating because uh, you know, for you and I doing the podcast in our careers, how you know we talked a little bit earlier in the podcast about employment opportunities where they change. This is a good, this is a good segue. We we probably did projects in our career based on three G, and now it's finally sunsetting, and we're moving on to the next best thing. Yeah, I think that that's a good that's a good you know to say. I guess that if you have a device that has to be connected somehow and you don't know how it's connected, it's just wirelessly connected and you've had it for a while, you should look into it, I think is the message. Because, yeah, Kindle readers, I know a lot of people that have the old school Kindles and I think I still have one. I don't use it anymore. I just use my my iPad now, but I wouldn't have even thought about that. Yeah, that Kindle probably wouldn't work anymore. Yeah, so it's crazy. It's just so many, so many impacts to different things. Like we take for granted, but you know, another technology I think a really cool, I mean, a cool part about it is like the actual modems inside cell phones are now super backwards compatible. You know, like where that modem was a big component, 
now those those little chips are tiny. And I think the one in the iPhone is as big as a needle head, right? And it holds like 2,000 types of capability, uh, processing capability, mm-hmm. including 3, 4, 5G. So, yeah, it's, you know, things things have improved in the, in the build out of it, but not necessarily everything. That's a good point. It used to be in the 2G, 3G days, if, if you wanted to travel, let's say, to another continent, you had to get a completely different phone because the processor on the phone in North America or even in the U.S. was only capable of working on the technology and on the spectrum we had here. You'd go to Europe or Asia, it it technically could not talk to those networks no matter what. It didn't have the ability. All the modern day phones since about 2015 are, are globally universal. The technology capabilities of those processors will work anywhere in the world. You just got to get a new SIM card, basically. If you're not roaming, but the phone itself doesn't have to be changed. So that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. And you know, to your, it depends on how rural you go. Mm-hmm. Like you, you might have connectivity, but you can't do the things that we're used to doing with our smartphones today. My travel over the Thanksgiving holiday, I went pretty remote to a really part remote part of the world. And, you know, uh, you cannot use your phone like we're used to use it today. You have to be more patient with your speeds, the data you're trying to push through those rural networks, you know, that it's just not available. Now, did I have any issues? Not compared to like in the past of traveling to remote world, other world locations. And we were able to, you know, do some basic functions mm-hmm. like make a phone call, but other, other options weren't available for you. Yeah. So this is always going to be, you know, until the world catches up with itself. Yeah. Well, and, and now, I mean, the ubiquity of Wi-Fi networks as well, right? We all know that. We take mm-hmm. for granted the fact that we can just put our phone and jump on a Wi-Fi access point and still still keep shooting, you know? So wasn't that long ago. That wasn't an option either. So we kind of kind of don't even realize the convergence that's been happening and that's all another topic. But well, it's a good, uh, good update. I think uh, hopefully this helps listeners understand what this means and what it doesn't mean as well. And and I think the punchline for me is it's not really that big of a deal with the exception of these outliers that you got to pay attention to. For the most part, none of us are going to even notice. 18th has been shut down since since February. Uh, they've been shut down for almost a year. Uh, you haven't, the world hasn't come to an end. So not going to be a huge impact unless you got one of those, one of those devices. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent, you know, um, go check on your loved ones. If they still use an old flip phone from right. 2011, <laughs> other than that, you're probably safe. And I, I think it is always a, a reminder how fast technology moves. I had heard this stat, you know, and this is crazy. I don't know if it holds true today, but it might, that the network itself, you know, the physical attributes of how they run this technology, 3G, 4G, 5G, it, they rebuild that network every five years. So the components of it, so it just gives you the speed of technology and what we're going through. And it's pretty amazing Yep, to be part of it. I would agree. My experience is about every five years is when you start seeing the first pieces of the next generation of technology. And then it takes another five years for it to be substantially built out. So Five years before you see the next one starting, 10 years from, you know, for major deployment, basically. So I would expect we might start seeing 6G and that'll be another topic, you know, 2025 and major rollout of 6G, 2030 kind of thing. 
but we'll see. We'll talk about that in another topic. So thanks as always for joining guys. Find us on 5G.com. Connect with us on social media. Check out the show notes. We'll put those links to FCC Lifeline services for any loved ones or people you know that need assistance in making sure they can stay connected. And uh, until next time, thanks. All right, peace. Thanks for listening to the 5G Guys. For more resources and to connect with Dan and Wayne, check out their website at 5gguys.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. 